Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mount Rushmore. We are going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of movie soundtracks. This set this sets up to be a very interesting and in-depth discussion. Uh, we're really looking forward to bringing this to you. We want to thank you for listening to this and all the other podcasts on the Well That's Cool podcast network. Uh, just be on the lookout for more titles in the future. But without further ado, let's bring you to the Mount Rushmore of movie soundtracks. Greetings again, everybody. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Mount Rush 4. I'm your host, David A. Smith. We've got a humdinger of an episode for you tonight. We are discussing the Mount Rushmore of movie soundtracks. What makes a soundtrack memorable? How does it impact the film? All that jazz we're going to be discussing tonight with our panel. Joining me, as always, to my right is my co-host, Daniel Wagner. How are we doing, sirs? And Matt? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. Good to hear. Good to hear. Our wonderful sound guy and producer. Thank you again. Uh, sitting next to Daniel is the one and only TJ Rip. Woo! <laughs> TJ, a man of few words tonight. And joining us this week, uh, fresh from the Aspect Radio and Ramit Jamit podcast, the one and only Ben Flanagan. Ben, thank you for joining Woo! us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Honored. Excellent, excellent. Well, gentlemen, this is going to be, I think, probably our most debated episode. So far, yes. There is a ample amount of material to pick from and narrow, narrowing down all the movie soundtracks to a list of four definitive ones. It's going to be quite the task, but I think this is the panel to do it. What do you think? Definitely. I think we should define what we're going by here a little bit. Uh, no scores, no yeah. musicals. It's a good thing you brought that up. We did have a couple of rules uh, coming up with this episode we disqualified pure movie musicals things like west side story grease if they were if they were a stage musical that just so happened to be filmed we put them out of consideration we heavily frowned upon scores because that's probably going to be an episode in the future just just throw that out there um we're looking for how soundtracks of songs are incorporated into films how they become memorable, and like I said, the definitive soundtracks. If you had to tell someone who had no idea of what a movie soundtrack is, you can say, listen to these four and get a good idea. So that's what we're doing tonight. Um, before we get to our list, just kind of give a, I just want to get a quick idea of what do you think makes a movie soundtrack memorable? Well, to me, the most memorable thing of a movie soundtrack is not necessarily the songs, but how the song works within the ratio of the scene. Um, you can take a random, uh, for instance, if you were to put a different song, the needle in the hay in the suicide scene of the Royal Tenenbaums, the scene doesn't have the same impact as it does with needle in the hay. Um, other movies are one of my number one laying solely based on the music used for them. Not necessarily if the soundtrack has a lot of songs that you know are very good, a lot of soundtracks can use popular songs but when you put it into the context with the film how was it used how did it make it where those are identifiable songs if you can listen to the song and then for one of the first things you think of is a scene from a movie that's nailing a soundtrack phoebe kate's walking out of the pool for instance oh, oh yeah absolutely. oh yeah absolutely if i hear that's if i hear that soundtrack that that song i'm having a special moment <laughs> uh ben what are your thoughts just to echo that really just if you can associate this music with this movie automatically right when you hear the song then that is, is part of at least what makes a good soundtrack these songs help i help create the identity of the movies that they accompany like he said with the Royal Tenenbaum song, for instance, when you hear that song on the radio, you automatically think of Luke what Wilson looking into the mirror. What station are you listening to <laughs> to find Needle in the Hay on the radio? How about 90, 90.7? Probably it would have been played on yeah, this show, yeah. right? Um, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, or satellite radio. How right. About that? Yeah. 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 So, anyway, yeah, when you hear that, you just think of that image. When you hear a certain surf rock song, you think of Pulp Fiction and certain mm -hmm. scenes in that movie. So, just. And another thing that makes it a soundtrack for me is, is you know, there's plenty of soundtracks that I, I kind of disqualify because it's like you think of like that one song that's on there that was amazing, but the rest of the album is just, you know, so-so. It's filler. But, yeah, I, I just, you know, I went through and was like, this entire album is, you know, loaded with songs that were prominently featured in the movie, and that's kind of what I went on. 
I agree. I agree. And that's all good uh, input right there. I think because this discussion is probably going to be quite interesting, let's go ahead and jump into our list with our four spots here. Again, if you're new to the show, uh, the four spot doesn't necessarily mean the least popular one. We just have to start somewhere. We'd like to work our way to the one spot. So that's why we're starting with four. My four spot is a personal choice, but it also has a lot of merit. Uh, My selection is Dazed and Confused. Uh, touching on what we just mentioned, all the major scenes in this film are tied to memorable songs. When Mitch is getting paddled, no more, or the paddling scene of Mitch's friends, no more Mr. Nice Guy, uh, school's out for summer, when they enter the Emporium for the first time, Hurricane playing, when they're... Not on the soundtrack, though, and that's a, that's what penalized Dazed and Confused for me. Like, that that would have totally yeah. made the list, but that was such a crucial scene to me, and you brought it up for that reason, right? But that didn't, that didn't make the disc, and that made me so mad when I finally got the disc but otherwise well that's valid and um that's actually a good point is if we counting like the actual disc that was released or the soundtrack in the actual film uh because i think some of us might have selections at least i know i do that has one where there's a lot of songs that did not make the actual cd released uh but are in the film but again going with days confused uh not only do they all the memorable scenes are tied to the uh, tied to memorable songs. Uh, my favorite being probably the party ending set to Tuesday's Gone. Uh, mm-hmm. It represents an eclectic mix of the 70s. It doesn't just represent, say, hard rock of the 70s or it doesn't even it hadn't even crossed into disco at the time. But because the movie focuses on different cultural groups, there's different aspects of 70s rock, 70s rock, AM rock, hard rock, all that. As- all that. And they even made two albums because there was so right. much music in this movie. No disco in there, though. No disco at all. There Hadn't no gotten disco. there. It's 1976. There was no disco. But that's my fourth spot. It's, again, my favorite movie of all time. I had to put it on there. All right. For my number four, I went very off the board. And I should let it be known that this was a very tough one for me, that I ended up creating a March Madness-style bracket to play albums and soundtracks against each other. This was a 10-seed that found its way into the final four and is the soundtrack to the John Hughes film Pretty in Pink. Now, this is going to be rough for me. Where I have with Pretty in Pink is it's a soundtrack loaded with The Smiths, Psychedelic Furs, Echo and the Bunnymen. The please, please, please let me get what I want scene with Ducky is one of my most memorable scenes of understanding teen angst of unrequited love and a song that perfectly encapsulates that feeling. It's a soundtrack that was one of my first gateways in high school, seeing that movie and owning the soundtrack to that genre of the 1980s music. Now, there were better soundtracks overall of the 1980s that had great Kenny Loggins songs and huge hits, but when I think of what that movie encapsulates, that soundtrack is so crucial. If they would have gone with Let's Hear It For The Boys and big wango tango songs i don't think it would work as much as using those soft sad british bands to sort of encapsulate the ideas that the movie had to represent also it's the best of the john hughes films and i'll fight any damn motherfucker who wants to fight me on that one <laughs> i did i just had personal feelings on that because i've been ducky so many times it's not even funny yeah uh, so for yeah. once in your life let you get what you want lord knows it would be the first time it is christy such swanson a- doesn't show up at the end y'all i'm just saying that <laughs> i am and forever will be a ducky boy Ugh. all right um well i guess um i'm just going to just kind of uh, start off with my whole list here the i went heavy 90s rotation for a big reason um the 90s were like a crucial like MTV period where music was extremely important. Everybody's watching these music videos and uh, the tie-ins to movies that were coming out were huge. And so every movie that came out had to have a soundtrack and they released it. And, you know, it was a big if a, if a soundtrack was a stinker, it landed with the thud. And if it hit, it was a big hit. So I've got at least three. Uh, three of my four 90s films. Um, but I'm just going to rattle off some of the bands on this number four pick here. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to start low here. Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul. Living Color and Run DMC. These are together, by the way. Biohazard and Onyx. Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill. Dinosaur Jr. 
and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. If you don't know where I'm going, I'm, try, I'm sound, trying to think. This is the soundtrack to Judgment Night, 1993. <laughs> one of the one of the most awesome soundtracks ever because it mixed up metal bands and rap groups all from the early 90s, and then it, it basically created the genre of like rap rock, which ended up dominating the later end of the decade and, and influenced you know a lot of acts. Um, and the songs are awesome. If you haven't heard the uh, Biohazard Onyx song, hell, Slayer and Ice T do three exploited songs on this con. Like they cover exploited songs, and it's awesome. And remind me, Judgment Night is basically a wrong turn movie. Yeah, it's Jeremy Piven, Emilio Estevez uh, coming oh, back from the Lakers okay. game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know the movie. The movie is is, is actually it's underrated and it's really good but the soundtrack also is amazing and if you haven't seen any of these videos and stuff it was it was a real touchstone for for me anyway i, I enjoyed it um yeah i do remember biohazard nonix having a partnership because i think biohazard was in just, slam uh, i'm gonna rattle off some more of these yeah slayer and ice tea faith no more in the booyah tribe sonic youth in cypress hill uh, Mud Honey and Sir Mix a Lot. Wow. Helmet and House of Pain. Um, <laughs> teenage, yeah, Teenage Fan Club de la Soul. Just it, it, the list is it's amazing. Rage and Tool did a song together, but it was unreleased uh, because it, it they didn't like the final cut of it. Okay, that's a very good and unexpected choice, TJ. <laughs> Excellent. So Ben, who do you have in your fourth spot? I feel like putting Judgment Night in my fourth spot now. That movie, that movie's badass, by the way. He's exactly right. I own that movie and uh, saw it like right when it came out on video, VHS, and yeah, I think my list is all Estevez actually. That's amazing. Now that I'm looking at it, I can't believe I left off Judgment Night. My number four is a movie I saw in theaters, and the music just immediately made an impression when the song "Making Time" by The Creation came on to um, sort of sort of uh, provide the backdrop for this Mac F Max Fisher montage in oh Wes Anderson's Rushmore. And appropriately, uh, it's called Rushmore as the show's uh, related to such. But yeah, this this soundtrack is just incredible. Once you get the liner notes, Wes Anderson even wrote this little paragraph about why he picked so much British Invasion music. And I know that we're not going with score tonight, but I think that this soundtrack is a great example of a perfect mixture of a song compilation and Mark Mothersbaugh's score, which he was able to do throughout his entire uh, filmography pretty successfully up until they stopped collaborating for whatever reason. But there are just so many great tracks from The Who and, again, The Kinks he has on there and then several other artists, Cat Stevens. Donovan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great soundtrack. I think we're going to be probably seeing uh, Wes Anderson mention probably more than once tonight, if I had to wager a guess. A lot of... Um, we got we're gonna take a quick time. Wait, the technical difficulty with I one threw of our, up. There we go. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. It happens. Um, we fixed it in post thanks to our wonderful producer Matt. Yay! Yeah. Yes. I threw up, and I wanted to be known. I threw up not from alcohol for once. Gumbo in a can was the culprit. yeah. Gumbo in a can mixed it with an energy drink and. Then someone mentioning Rushmore, and then all it was over from there. It was just, I but we actually, judgment. Actually, it was me trying to figure out what Judgment Night was. I was like, I've seen this movie <laughs> and the name, and I saw you'd scribbled Judgment Night under all of these notes, and I was the whole time looking at it, just like, what the fuck is Judgment Night? <laughs> I should know this. But, like was, but we did hit our. Uh, each person did mention their fours. Uh, I had days confused. Daniel had pretty in pink. TJ had Judgment Night, and Ben had Rushmore, so we've already off to an eclectic start. Uh, and we're going to jump right into our third spot. Uh, my selection, we touched on this with Days Confused about songs that weren't necessarily on the actual release soundtrack, but I incorporated one that had some of these on the soundtrack and just a whole lot more in the actual film. Mine is Goodfellas. Uh, Martin Scorsese always incorporates... Um, excellent music choices into his films the way he did it with Goodfellas is he started with the carefree uh, 50s acts a uh, little bit of the Rat Pack, Big Band uh, girl groups and then it progresses as Henry progresses into just coke fueled rock of the late 60s early 70s and it's just a fantastic shift when you listen to it from start to finish and so the scenes uh, that are used in the film with this music, Scorsese makes just like a indirect point with the songs he's picking. My uh, The big example I want to bring out is when uh, Jimmy's wife Karen is at the hostess party, Leader of the Pack is playing, where she, the singer, is so proud of marrying, you know, the big 
top guy in the motorcycle mm-hmm. gang, but now she's finding out what she's actually getting herself into is, oh, I just married like a mob associate. Uh, and all the songs in that in this movie work like that. And then the whole May 11th, 1980 scene, the way the music works in that, where Henry's just having his final coked out binge before getting arrested where it's cross cutting back and forth it it plays like you're uh, on cocaine at that point well my favorite part of that whole soundtrack actually is them utilizing the outro of layla i do not like the song layla as as its piece the outro to layla is one of my favorite pieces of music ever recorded and to use that as the mon- use that in the montage of how hauntingly sad that piano part is by everyone in the gang being whacked over and over and over and you're finding all these bodies of everyone they're killing that had a paper trail to them with just that haunting and then they play it in the end credits again too and it's just a great seven minute song that oh i I loved that goodfellas one and i also want to bring up the fact that during the copacabana tracking shot he's the song and then he kissed me because that is literally henry's mating dance to karen so the song just works perfectly with that sequence i think i'm being too hard on these soundtracks man because goodfellas was literally the first cd i ever bought like myself i went into vinyl solution went straight to the soundtrack section when i was like seven years old and i didn't really <laughs> and i didn't really understand you know exactly what cds and soundtracks were at the time so i thought well if i'm getting this i'm kind of getting the movie i kind of thought that and then i got the music and i was like okay well this will do but it only has 12 songs on the soundtrack i think it has i thought it had less than that yeah it's got just 12 and there's like what 50 songs probably in this movie at least in like finally having seen the movie and going back to the soundtrack which i still have i think in my car right now i'm like where's monkey man by the rolling stones where's jumping to the fire by harry nilson and they're not there but i mean that's what that's what youtube and (laughs) <laughs> all these other things are for now right. you can get you can make your own Goodfellas soundtrack but the, the 12 they picked for the actual cd it's an excellent selection but yeah easily one of the greatest soundtracks ever just missed my list all right daniel who do you have for your second spot my, sec- fourth, my third spot my bad yeah my third spot um it's actually dazed and confused um a lot of the reasons that you had touched on but where i think that it works out is that on its own that soundtrack is a time life collection and it's nothing more than a time-life collection of hits of the, of 1976. These are your top songs of 76. But the way it's used in that film... Um, you know, my dad recently saw Days Confused for the first time. And that was a big thing he had said. He had, just, he had never seen it. It came on TV and he was like, oh, watch it right there. And then he loved it. He was like, my God, this is what it was like when I was in 1976. And they nailed that so well. And he said a lot of it was, was just the soundtrack brought him back to his own you know sophomore and high school years of stuff right there um but a lot of reasons you touched on right there that's why but dazed and confused um a soundtrack that i used to ride around in high school with this kid andy and he had it and that's where we became like a deep love of we would ride around the country and smoke cigarettes and that was like a big thing i had oh, yeah, a that, moment to it that soundtrack rarely left my car cd player i would i would fall asleep listening to the for, uh, the first volume of the day's soundtrack. But, TJ, who's your third spot? Well, we have another repeat here because my number three choice was Rushmore um, oh. for many of the same reasons that Ben mentioned. Um, there's just so many great scenes like the the workout scene or like the right before I think Max gets arrested or, or brought to the door for uh, breaking somebody's bike or something like that. And uh, I think there's a Stone song playing before that. But it's it's um yeah mark mothersbaugh just sort of like him starting off and like scoring films um with that movie or i guess he did bottle rocket before that as well uh and and the rugrats oh yeah well well, we're talking films so uh (laughs) but uh that was and and that sort of like set the the tone for like every wes anderson film to come out and that's and those soundtracks are important to the movie and well, oh absolutely i don't yeah. know i don't know if it was mentioned by ben because i was trying not to vomit while he was talking during his part <laughs> but um Thank you. oh yoko yeah the use of that song it's my favorite john lennon song um of really i mean we, we go into an entire conversation about the weird love those two had but you can say a lot of things about what yoko was but one thing she most of all right there is that that crazy son bitch loved that woman 
and that's such a beautiful love song of encapsulating i think what a real love song should be and the way they use that in presenting it uh or that great scene of uh bill murray uh sitting at the pool watching his wife get hit on by the other guy and then like just <laughs> goes up to the high dive and you know jump and, but, yeah um yeah and then there's just they it's all completely silent just with the soundtrack backing it basically so yeah it's, it's brilliant brilliant yeah. work i'll give you you can say a lot of things about wes anderson but some bitch does know how to put music to us to a movie yep definitely definitely all right ben who do you have for your third spot this is really hard because like he, I had a lot of 90s stuff too and it was just really hard not to pick 90s stuff because it's what we grew up on and I think these ne- this next pick is going to be extremely sentimental and pardon it me ca- for it that happens. yeah uh, I'm not going to fight for this to be like the Mount Rush you know part of the Mount Rushmore of movie soundtracks but and you guys can laugh at me all you want but this is is my childhood and it's from the 80s actually the original animated Transformers the movie hey. oh yeah Abs- 100% absolutely <laughs> you're talking to s- yeah no I mean, you will not get any laughter on this dare, at all dare to be I hear stupid, laughter ben. though in the background dare to, dare I don't know where it's coming dare from dare to be stupid exactly. instruments yeah. of destruction oh my god dare uh I wish I knew. You I got could, the touch. You got the yeah. touch. Stan, All fantastic. Uh, Stan Bush and Vince DiCola, they wrote the soundtrack to my life, apparently, uh, with this <laughs> with this movie. But yeah, I mean, I can go back and listen to it, and you know, I love that movie, and I can always go back to it, despite these ridiculous Michael Bay pieces of shit that we see now, that are, here, here. An, are an insult to the, I would say cartoon but the toy line yeah let's um, get real yeah seriously but no this music is awesome i mean when i was at 90.7 working there like all of my bed music would be the instrumental stuff that vince decola would uh, score like the autobot decepticon battle and the spoiler alert death of optimus prime still makes me cry like if i'm on ipod shuffle and that comes on i just skip ahead i can't listen to it <laughs> when i'm on the road but yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with this at my number three i've always thought instruments of destruction and like unicron's theme would be also oh. wrestling entrance music. oh my god the unicron I mean, theme unicron's theme is just fantastic yeah it is it is fantastic back when i hosted a, a movie scores and soundtrack show on new rock back in the day yeah uh, transformers soundtrack was on heavy rotation oh yeah definitely and you know Something that almost made my list was the Boogie Nights soundtrack. Almost caught this spot, and somebody else might mention it. But late in that movie, when uh, Dirk and Jack Horner have made their split, it cuts to Dirk you in the studio, the and he's singing You Got the Touch. And I just remember thinking, that is <laughs> incredible that they would have picked that song mm-hmm. from that soundtrack. But I think yeah. my, I think my uh, bass is a little low. Well, everything sounds equal to me. <laughs> Turn up the bass. You heard the boy. Turn the it vocals, up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that is that is a fantastic kind of out of left field selection, but absolutely works in this discussion Thank because God. that move that soundtrack made that movie. I mean, I remember all those songs, even though it came out in '86 when I was probably four or five years old. Orson Welles' last performance. Yeah, my dad, yeah. I remember watching that with my dad. When I was a little kid, he's re- watching the credits. He's like, oh, Leonard Nimoy and all that. <laughs> then he sees Orson Welles. Like, Orson Welles is in this thing? Yeah, he bookends his career with Citizen Kane and Transformers the movie. I think, he knew what he, I think he knew what he was doing. Solid career. Yeah. All right, we're getting into kind of the nitty-gritty here. The <laughs> second and first spots. going to go with our second spots. Uh, these are going to be kind of the more influential, impactful, um, big money spots, so to speak. I'm going to open it up. We are... And with kind of continuing the trend of the 90s here, but this was a cultural phenomenon when it came out, the soundtrack and the film. Uh, it's Pulp Fiction. It amplified the use of surf music to open. The scenes are amplified by the music, the like Royale with Cheese scene where Jungle Boogie is playing in the background. Every time I hear Girl, um, You'll Be a Woman Soon, I will do the Mia Wallace air guitaring <laughs> during it. Um, will you and- OD on heroin too? Not quite, okay. not quite. I'll I'll cut it off after that. Um, but one of the be- one of the better reviews that I read about the soundtrack is it made surf music into like the modern spaghetti western type of music, uh, and it just absolutely works. It's all over the board. It's eclectic, just like the film and the soundtrack. The CD soundtrack was one of the ones that started incorporating dialogue from the film, so you had those bits and pieces of this movie that was entering the cultural lexicon and it just that's why it's up there in yeah my i mean list. that that movie basically revitalized dick dale's career oh uh, absolutely it revitalized al green's career it revitalized, but that's just the you know and travolta's career too but that was for a whole other reason um 
And, and not only that, there's the, like you said, the iconic sort of scenes. I mean, I can't hear, you know, when you hear Miserable, that's the Pulp Fiction song now. I'll say the credits. Yeah. Um, there's this, and it's on, it's on my list too. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. But um, yeah, if you guys want to talk about it, go ahead. Yeah, that, that was definitely my introduction to surf rock music. And thank God it's one of my, it's still one of my favorite genres now because of that movie. And I got introduced to all these artists. Like back when I was like learning to even play guitar, I wanted to learn the songs from Pulp Fiction. And I hadn't seen the movie by the time I had memorized the entire soundtrack. My, it was one of those last movies that my parents wouldn't let me see because I was like nine years old when it came out. And all I really had to go by was the soundtrack and these lines of dialogue that you mentioned. This doll. Here we go again. Daniel is back with us. He's, again, having a little issue with the canned gumbo we ate earlier tonight, <laughs> but he's doing fine. We're going to truck right along. Thanks again to Matt, our producer, for tidying up the um, technical issues there. But, Daniel, let's jump right to your number two spot here. I would like to go ahead before I say the number two again, how embarrassed I am about my <laughs> actions tonight. But my number two <clears throat> is the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. I put it on there. I like to take everyone back. Picture it the late 90s. Now, this is a pre-internet music world where it was not easily accessible to find music or listen to music through the internet. This was the first time I had ever been exposed to Elliot Smith was through the soundtrack. And the way that soundtrack is so... It's so heart-wrenchingly solid of the songs, like the selections off of either or of putting the songs there. Miss Misery, which was robbed at the Academy Awards by My Heart Will Go On as the best song of the year. Um, but even in the scenes, the scene of them listening to Between the Bars while they lay in bed and she talks with the Magic 8-Ball and she's talking about how she's going to play in the NBA you know, and the uh, using Angela's when he's on the phone with her when she's at the airport going to California, um, uh, home to oblivion. Uh, when they're driving, one of my favorite scenes in a movie when they're done that first night and the boys are driving back in the uh, in the car like early morning lighting of driving on the Mass Pike. The songs on that soundtrack, including Baker Street for the big fight. Um, was a brilliant choice of a song, that big saxophone in, uh, lead in on it. Uh, everything about it just worked. And it made, I mean, that's one of my favorite movies. And that soundtrack makes it just hauntingly beautiful about what it's trying to encapsulate. I'm not a Gus Van Zant fan. I'm not even a major Matt Damon fan, more of a Ben Affleck kind of guy. <laughs> and he'd a bomb in Phantoms, you know. Yeah, you was a bomb in the Phantom, Joe. Um, I, that's that's to me. That's my number two, and it's it's just a be- it's a beautiful piece of work. I believe our own uh, Josh Thomas. That was one on his list that he tweeted out to us was the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. Uh, TJ, who's your second spot? Okay. Um. Now, for all my picks, I'm, I was trying to pick out, like I said, albums that were um, uh, full albums of of songs that kind of work through the entire through the entire movie, and also um, uh event soundtracks where they became their own sort of uh, entity and I think there's no better one for this than Oh Brother Where Art Thou um, yeah I got we got a uh, lot of lot of suggestions for this th- one. that uh, no. there are so many great songs on there and it became no. uh, the, the soundtrack became more popular than the film um, you can debate this later. <laughs> oh, <God>. um, <laughs> but but those uh, yeah but the, the, they the making of that soundtrack was like as epic as making that movie. I mean, to get all these older acts in and, you know, young acts to do these old sounding songs. It was, um, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. And, and my, you know, my parents who, who do, you know, they love the Coen brothers and stuff, but like they, they bought that sound. My grandmother listens to that soundtrack. It, it was a, a cultural touchstone for a while. So no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's bullshit Americana and it's, pandering to the lowest denominator it's right up there with that edward sharp and magnetic zero song talking about how home my alabama arkansas i sure miss my ma and paul that's a great song no it's not (laughs) that song is a bunch of california bastards pandering for southern there i'd like for that girl to find alabama and arkansas on the map and where ma and paul were from that that soundtrack's so damn overrated 
It's such an overrated thing. And that Constant Sorrow song got beat over your fucking head for a year of, oh, you don't like it? It's the Constant Sorrow song. It's just like old Pappy used to listen to. But TJ, TJ did bring up the good point that it kind of outdid the film. The film is good, but they lived off that soundtrack for a whole lot longer. Yeah. I mean, they had tour, they did a tour. They had a tours tours based on that, and I think they structured the movie. Or the soundtrack came first. Like they recorded the soundtrack first, and then came the film. From what I remember reading, that but. music is. It, there's a lot of great music on that soundtrack, but I, I'm kind of with you in that it did become bigger than the movie. And I think that a lot of stuff in that movie, a lot of external factors, call way more attention to themselves than the actual film does. Like, I mean, the cinematography is beautiful. A lot of the performances are really goofy and do sort of like call. I don't I don't think they paint the South in a negative light because the Coen's always sort of um, I think they're one of the best portrayers of the South there is when they're not actually portraying the real South. But, yeah, I agree. The music is great. But again, you're right. It calls way too much attention to itself rather than the movie. And that's what it sort of took away from the movie for it's, me. It's just such a. It's you said there, you know, Granny can love it because it reminds of her youth, but the rest of us are acting like we gave a shit about Americana and old Southern old time religion. <laughs> bluegrass, man, bluegrass is awesome, and none of us gave a shit about bluegrass before then. We I live fine. You know what? Because all bluegrass is essentially is a bunch of old asshats recovering ACDC songs at this point. <laughs> I, I will when admit. I think of bluegrass, all I think of is someone doing fucking gin and juice, and it's a bluegrass version I, I, of it, so that I, makes it good. I will admit, I have on my iPod the bluegrass Van Halen, Metallica, and ACDC <laughs> album. So you fell into the bookie's trap, my I did, boy. You I fell did. Into the trap. I, I, I have the I had the courage to admit to it, but uh, Ben, what's your second spot? Uh, this is tough. I'm going to play it extremely safe right now and go with a soundtrack that did also become bigger than the movie itself, but I think the movie actually really holds up, and it's from 1967, The Graduate. The, I was wondering if this one yeah, was going to come up. And Yeah, again, it's safe and everything, but it's just hard to ignore it, I think, and it, it needs to be mentioned if no one else is going to, but those are timeless songs, even if some people feel like that movie is dated and Simon and Garfunkel are sort of like a punchline to this generation i think in a lot of ways and aren't necessarily appreciated but to me that music really helps define that movie and it was just such it was just such a cultural pop cultural landmark and it to me is now my as correct? immortal of a soundtrack as there is were, were they commissioned like to do the songs for that movie i mean were those uh, original to that film or were they um did they just pull a bunch of uh song i can't I, for some reason i feel like they they wrote songs for that movie uh, i, I want to lean that way too yeah, yeah. so it was that, that that sways me a lot of, in a way that like yeah you're you're going out to not score a film but set this film to this music uh-huh so well, um sways you away from it no it sways me to it oh, okay wait isn't it also one of the first movies to uh encap use a popular band soundtrack that's not like a hard day's night or a a movie or a Elvis movie that was made specifically for that. Um, I, that's it's solid. I mean, The Graduate it holds up as a film. The soundtrack, I whatever fuck what the haters say. That soundtrack's solid still. Yeah, I agree. And coming in that period of the late '60s was kind of the herald of what was about to happen in the next decade in terms of both film, the music, the music, and the film and music combined. Right. Um, so that is a good choice, and I was wondering if this was going to make a spot because people had mentioned it. I think we should make a point that I just made it through a Ben segment without having to go throw up. <laughs> and so. I'm going to knock on wood right now and hope we get through this next round because this is our important spots. These are our one spots. Uh, these were kind of the George Washingtons of the list. What's your kind of definitive soundtrack? Uh, mine, I'm not really a fan of this soundtrack, but I understand its place and I respect it. And it, to me, it's not really debatable. Uh, it sold over 40 million copies. It's considered one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Not the greatest selling soundtrack of all time because it got actually beat out by The Bodyguard. But oh. in terms of... <laughs> I thought you were building up towards The Bodyguard. I thought, I thought we were getting yeah. that In terms of cultural impact... No soundtrack can really touch what Saturday Night Fever did. Called it. It really defined the entire disco era <laughs> of the late seventies. Uh, it spawned that just say whatever you want about disco. It all basically stemmed from how popular this album was, and the music makes iconic scenes. The opening of that film with 
John Travolta walking down the sidewalk to staying alive. It's been parodied so many times, but it is incredibly memorable, and it's that music. It's that swagger. It's that bravado. Uh, it won a Grammy for Best Album, the only disco record ever to win a Best Grammy album. Uh, so that's why, in my opinion, it trumps The Bodyguard because, yeah, The Bodyguard had I Will Always Love You, which was a super major hit, maybe one or two other songs, but it really didn't stay in the cultural landscape of things. So that's why I went with Saturday Night Fever. I, I, yeah, I, I can, I mean, I can understand it. I, I can I can dig you on it. I, I will debate you fiercely on where it should be at. I mean, it is a, a great cultural moment album, but uh, it's it's really a one trick pony. I mean, it, I, almost to me, it it's similar to almost a uh, the it's almost like a musical to me, and that it's it's one one group doing the music. I don't know if there's anyone else does songs on that movie do actually they? i think they are i don't have the list in front of me but there i think there are a couple of artists other than the bgs on that album the now. bgs got the album cover though <laughs> exactly yeah. it's known as a bgs album but yeah. i don't think they did the entire album and i think we should probably yeah i mean i think our the debate section of this might be the most uh the toughest one we're going to have so we should probably move on to number yeah your number let's one go ahead let's daniel let's hear yours my number one is also my favorite movie of all time um and it's for a lot of the research there. My number one is Boogie Nights. Um, for a couple of scenes, you're talking about openings. I don't think there's much better of an opening than that steady cam shot to Best of My Love, showing the disco and you know introducing all your characters. Um, Spill the Wine by War. When we get the introduction to the Colonel, they're like, "Oh, Eddie from Torrance. I heard you got a real big old cock. You mind <laughs> if I look at it? Yeah. Thank you, Eddie." Thank you very much. <laughs> it's beautiful. But the girl jumping into the water and the, the sound gets kind of weird like it's underwater. And when she comes back up, it's like the big spill of wine. Dang that girl. And my favorite movie scene of all time of Alfred Molina in the crack house listening to Sister Christian. Fucking name. And when he starts doing the and he's talking about and then he actually talks about an album and a soundtrack that he doesn't like an album telling him what order of songs he needs to fucking listen to the songs in I make the decisions in my life I listen to them and then immediately segue into Jesse's girl and that whole scene of Dirk Diggler sitting there sweating his ass out and realizing that what the hell have I done you can't put that to a better song than Jesse's girl as your weird random thing that plays in the background at a crackhead's house everything we've all been there yeah well it's and, and on you two have albums that. like it has two albums it has you got the touch in it which is amazing and feel my heat the other original song they do for that one which is equally as amazing ben what were you gonna say well, i was gonna say i think you're right about that in the way that we've all been there it might not be in a psychotic you know shotgun toting crack dealers with the house. Uh, chinese adopted kid shooting up shooting fireworks fire, cosmo. cosmo yeah <laughs> speak for yourselves if, you, if you've had that experience but um yeah i mean like you've you've been in somebody's like apartment or something when you're in college or like high school or where you just you don't want to be there but you're there and and they've got something planned on the stereo. Sister Christian. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I felt that moment. I didn't run out of the house being shot at or anything. But, yeah, you bring up the the mixtapes that he makes. I love how when it cuts to the close-up of the tape, it says awesome, his awesome mixtape, Rayhad's awesome mixtape. Yeah. Anytime I burned a CD, it was always awesome mixtape, volume one through ten or whatever. It's it, There's so many just that soundtrack leads and of taking you from the 19... 19- the late 1970s into the 1980s and the way the music changes i'm just burping <laughs> got a lot of a lot of things from there the way the music changes throughout that um i'm right now weirdly struggling to remember what song plays when um william h macy shoots himself but it's Ooh, another ones of i was gonna bring that scene up but i cannot remember the name of yeah the song either. but there's hey, there's just so many great great moments of that movie and a lot of it deals with the soundtrack like i said it spawned two soundtracks they're two great soundtracks of encapsulating that era of music um it, it, to me it was the no-brainer it's boogie nights is the number one 
All right, TJ, you said yours was going to be... Um, well, I was just going to make a note that like I've noticed a lot of our soundtracks are following a lot of the great filmmakers of the time. Okay. We've, got, we've had P.T. Anderson, Wes Anderson. We've had Quentin Tarantino, the Martin, Coen brothers. Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, so... Uh, and whoever of, directed Transformers. John Hughes. <laughs> yeah, so we're uh, a lot of the... Yeah, it Act, takes a great film so did far. John to, Hughes, I don't think soundtrack. John Hughes actually direct... No, he did direct Pretty in Pink. I'm thinking of some kind of wonderful, the response to Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. So, never mind. Love that movie. Um, so my number one is uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, so we've already talked a little bit about it, but I was just going to note, like, unlike um, Rushmore, which is also on my list, um, where, where there was a bit of a score element to it with uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, Pulp Fiction has absolutely no scores, completely driven by the soundtrack. And there are so many scenes that just you you know the when the music is playing you you see those scenes playing in your head and i to me that's number one with the bullet it, it completely yeah revitalized surf um it, it just uh and there's so many just great songs on it. you can listen to that today and it's still it's still amazing every time i hear never can Se- never can tell i see yeah mia and vincent dancing yeah so or the opening to like uh let's stay together i see the back of fucking ving rames yeah 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 <laughs> the yeah, band-aid yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I think, yeah. So that's another one we've repeated on. But um, so I think it's. I think, I think it's, it's going to make the final spot, list. Yeah. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, even though some, yeah, we get back to this whole thing where some songs don't make the cut. It doesn't really matter. I mean, the soundtrack is the soundtrack. This music helps define the movie and create the experience. When they're walking into Jack Rabbit Slim's, the restaurant, for instance, when they have that like faux Ricky Nelson up on stage, he's playing "Waiting in School" as he's walking around, looking at all the different aspects of the restaurant. And then when like Link Ray's Rumble is playing as they're talking to each other, yeah. There's another Beautiful. surf song with the uh, the heroin scene. It's like that that fucking low bass. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, I love that. It's just yeah. And, it's, and also like that soundtrack was just say what you will about Quentin Tarantino, but when he you know was at its prime, where he's still doing awesome shit now, but um, uh, that movie was fucking cool, and that soundtrack was cool. They defined cool for like that period, and so that's why I think it's it's. Yeah. You'd never seen anything or heard anything like it. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a game changer. Yeah. It really was. And I think it is kind of sexy now to sort of hate on that movie. And, but but I not can't, necessarily the I soundtrack. can't see how. Yeah. 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 All right, Ben, who do you have for your one spot? Well, well can I go through like a few honorable mentions really quick? We're, we're actually okay, going to get that? to our honorable okay. mentions okay, after the good. one spot. So. Well, I'm going to stick with Tarantino, and this was a coin toss, and I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs. His oh. first movie, which is my favorite movie of all time, I can. That's my Desert Island movie. I couldn't live without it, and a big reason is the soundtrack. It's just a brilliant collection of songs, and it's just a handful of songs too, because a lot of the tracks on the soundtrack are actually the K. Billy Super Sounds of the '70s interludes by Stephen Wright, sort of introducing the next songs. But yeah, just songs I'd never heard before, like the George Baker selection, as he puts it, "Little Green Bag," the opening credits music, as you see them all walking out of the restaurant, that kind of thing. Hooked on a feeling, it made me, it gave me a deeper appreciation for yeah. that just incredibly corny song uh, i got you by joe tex that, that, that movie introduced me to the awesome joe tex i mean this movie's just full of them full i of forgot them. about i got you that's one of my never oh. should have promised him give it him yeah, yeah. that song is amazing and obviously i think the the go-to is probably stuck in the middle with you and that whole scene the whole ear scene the torture sequence i mean that movie so many of these songs from tarantino's soundtrack just penetrate the mainstream because he reintroduced them to everybody so you'll see like a visa commercial or something and it'll be a song from kill bill or pulp fiction it's like that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for pulp fiction or if it wasn't for tarantino reintroducing it to people and i think that's the case with several of the reservoir dogs songs excellent so we've got we got a good good list for number one we have saturday night fever boogie nights pulp fiction and reservoir dogs um right now we're going to give each member of our panel a chance to mention an honorable mention or two songs that necessarily might not have made the cut but still need a mention in the discussion these could be personal reasons i have two i'm going to touch on them real quick because one of them uh is american graffiti a lot like days confused this was basically days confused in the early 60s uh the reason i picked this is this music this movie is wall-to-wall late 1950s early 1960s music after buddy holly died but before the beatles became on uh came on the scene and there's the memorable line by the john milner character where saying rock and roll is 
been going downhill since Buddy Holly died, but they're on the cusp <laughs> of an entirely just new revolution in music about the hit. The movie, of course, is about cruising culture, so it's vital to have an incredible soundtrack. And then you have the tie-ins from Wolfman Jack throughout the film and the soundtrack where a radio character plays an integral role into the plot. So wanted to get that out there because it is one of my favorite films of all time. I have a big affinity for the classic teen movies of each decade. The other one I want to mention is the soundtrack to Superfly. Uh, the great black exploitation film of the 70s. Curtis Mayfield made an amazing album, and what he did instead of like hero worshiping the the title character, he demonized him with these songs. If you listen to Pusher Man, you don't want to be a drug dealer when you hear that. Mm-hmm. He made catchy, awesome 1970s style songs, but the lyrics are damning the characters. So I wanted to get that out there because it is just an amazing, amazing soundtrack. Solids, solids. Um, My honorable mentions, I have two also. The first one is High Fidelity. Um, When really close to making it into my list, um, again, it's a solid collection of sort of somewhat obscure songs by people um, Elvis Costello's Shipbuilding and some other songs um i, I thought i was gonna have a little moment there where i had to leave there so anyway <coughs> anyway it's a solid one You've and had again enough little moments today yeah um working in with the movie uh, soundtrack becomes an integral character the other one that i had and it, it got kicked off because we couldn't allow musicals and in the end this is a musical is team america world police <laughs> absolutely <And coughs> their song the term america fuck yeah is solely almost driving there and it's a movie that you can say what you will about trey parker and matt stone but the sons of bitches can write music when it comes to it but it is a musical but i think the songs on that album are solid as hell songs and i would actually say the south park bigger longer uncut soundtrack might be a tad bit better Uh, it's pretty close pretty close there um well, I have a shitload of honorable mentions, and I'm just gonna kind of like rattle like uh, the Wet Hot American Summer soundtrack is Fantastic. in the same vein as like uh, um, uh, damn uh, Dazed and Confused, where it's actually a fucking awesome soundtrack. You have like you know uh, Rick Springfield and you know just a number of other great acts. You have also um, another one I mentioned was like uh, Purple Rain by Prince, which was just uh, that was number one like selling album. It's it's that I mean, existed in a gray area for a lot of people. It's, it's a bit of a musical, but you got like Morris Day the time on it who i fucking love um also who else um what else um the batman forever soundtrack with uh, i'm with you it was in, it you. was in there you. i yeah. had it i, had it as I got you seal kiss on the road and uh, you got like one of my favorite ut songs like, uh, hold me throw was me kiss me with, kill me was uh, the smashing pumpkins one on yeah, that one uh, no, no no that, that was, was batman Nick. and robin okay okay but they had um, like pj harvey and nick cave on there yeah and it was actually yeah. a uh, really, real estate yeah, it was a surprisingly really great, and it was one of those ones where they would like roll out, uh, like speaking about the '90s, where they just roll out a video every like week leading up to this uh, movie release, and it was like, holy shit, I'm gonna buy that fucking soundtrack, and I did. Um, what else? Uh, uh, the single soundtrack was uh, up on my list for a while, just because it was just the seminal '90s uh, bands that that would later on become like you know huge acts. No Nirvana in that one, but. Um, what else? Uh, I'll put the crow in there for yeah, '90s soundtrack. Same sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so all of those, I, I I really had a tough time making this list, and all those popped in my head at the time. Focusing um, on the positives, oh Ben, uh, we're up to you for your honorable mentions. A couple of ones. Did you finish? Um, you know, I could. Ran, I I was gonna bring up the Angus soundtrack, but I think I'm done. <laughs> the Angus soundtrack drop is you. really good. Yeah, drop it. It's okay. Have a hit. Had like said a nice cut from I mean, Weezer. Right I now we've got a good probably 15 minutes for our ralph again so, <laughs> so yeah. get in what you got to get in because so ben let's hear your honorable mentions because we want to get to our um final list yeah here. i got a lot too and i'll try and run through them as fast as i can the limitation of this not having scores was tough obviously but even even with that rule it was hard to leave off good the bad and the ugly and two thousand in two thousand one, yeah, um, because two thousand one's a compilation itself too, so it kind of counts in a way. Uh, and Good, the bad, and the ugly is an original score, but that feels like an album unto itself. And I would even say, Once Upon a Time, the West yeah. is actually one of my favorites because of harmonica's theme and the yep. electric guitar usage. Yeah, those are songs that you know people can refer to, and you know without necessarily associating them with the movie. 
Easy Rider, I think, needs to be yeah. mentioned. I mean, there's so many great songs on there, and the music really helped define that movie. It feels wrong leaving off American Graffiti of my, you know, off of my list, but I'm glad it got mentioned for sure. It's great. Um, Pulp Fiction for sure. Uh, I mentioned Transformers. Thank God. Um, Train Spotting from the 1996. Yeah, yes, uh, a couple of people mentioned that yeah. on Twitter. Thank you again for listening. Brian Oliu mentioned it, and yeah. I think one or two others as well. Incredible music. It's, we're not going to make everybody happy with what no, we end up with. I, mean, I don't think all. anybody here is going to be happy with what we end up with, and that's uh, and that and that's the beauty of this list. Is yeah. I think everyone who's listening to this episode is going to know that it is. Next to impossible to narrow down for, but we're going to give you at least a good starting point yeah. here. Two no, more I wanted to mention. We're going uh, to give you the definitive four. So that's the issue there. Is there's right. lots of movies. definitive starting point on this yeah. one. So um, there you go. Just uh, two another honorable mentions. Uh, American Astronaut. If anybody hasn't seen that film, that has all original music that works into the movie really well. And um, shit, what was the other one? Uh, Six String Samurai also has original uh, music that is awesome. Uh, All right, I've got a couple of them too. When we were talking about things that were being left off there, the Reality Bite soundtrack yes. was a big one. It's um, a low, man. Flashdance is a, is a fucking brilliant soundtrack of 1980s. And uh, the one that no one's mentioned, The Big Chill. Yeah. Uh, of our, of our compilation, you know, soundtrack there. I mean, it's yuppie as hell. Yeah, if my a, mom was here, she would have mentioned it for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Lebowski soundtrack for sure. Belly, yeah, the Hype damn, Williams yeah, movie I mean, is is incredible. Um, and just a couple more. You mentioned The Crow off mic here just a little bit ago. It's got so many great artists on there and really good songs. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, the Bob Dylan album that accompanied that movie is great. And I want to reach into the Disney bag really fast and mention uh, from 1973, Robin Hood. Oh, God, yeah. has so many great yeah. songs. It never actually had a soundtrack itself. There was never actually any album released. You're not talking about the Prince of Thieves and like the uh, the quartet. Brian, no, Adams. Brian Adams. and uh, yeah, Sting. And That's Three Musketeers. Three Musketeers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is, is all for one for love and all for all for one and one for love or some shit. <laughs> no, one it's everything I do. That's Brian Adams. That's yeah, Brian Prince Adams. of Thieves. Exactly. Yeah, and then Manhattan, the Woody Allen soundtrack that used Gershwin all the way through. It's Did an incredible. no one mention Garden State? Uh, Trey uh, Irby yeah. mentioned Garden State. Let me just read some suggestions from our I list hate here. That fucking scene when yeah. he's like puts on the headphones and like the shins are supposed to blow her gun. Well, in. and Ooh. and Irby actually mentioned that the soundtrack actually makes that movie tolerable. Otherwise, <laughs> it's very intolerable. Well, but I think let there's me, one really great before we get to Irby's right there. The scene of them um to the only living boy in New York when they're on top of the they're screaming on top of the machinery. That's an awesome use of a song with a moment, but. I'll the rest of it would just really kind of seem forced. All right, I'm going to uh, just rush through these real quick. Bad. Some of the ones that aren't mentioned. Um, Joel Nico RBR, he mentioned Pirate Radio and Kill Bill. Uh, Jamie Glitter Burrito, Tron Legacy and Glorious Bastards, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and the Royal Tenenbaums. That would probably be my um, favorite Wes Anderson one. Meg D. Megalishu, uh, she mentioned Almost Famous and Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude is a actually really good Cat Stevens music right there. Farron Stanley, a uh, good friend of the show the great reggae album The Harder They Come the Clueless soundtrack soundtrack from The Virgin Suicides and soundtrack from Romeo and Juliet very eclectic mix there uh, Josh Thomas we mentioned he had said uh, Goodwill Hunting but he had also mentioned Spinal Tap but that kind of exists he also mentioned Purple Rain and they exist in that gray oh, area musical, well, as yeah. musicals um Brian Oliu, we said he had mentioned Train Spotting. He also mentioned Snatch as well as having a real good one. Trey Irby, he threw out uh, Perks of Blink being a wallflower. Um, <laughs> and our good friend Dude, Nate. That book is so much better. That movie's such shit. Was our, that the canned gumbo just then? Or <laughs> yeah. And our good friend Nate, the right rev, uh, he had Oh Brother Where Out There, but he also had Top Gun and Forrest Gump. And Forrest Gump uh, is a, just an incredible collection of songs that tie into those scenes but i know i left it off because it came out the same year as pulp fiction and it just it kind of overshadowed the importance of that soundtrack i want to throw the casino soundtrack out there too yeah, that, another, yeah, that's as balling as also good. maybe a little love for the drive soundtrack like i you know that one is amazing to me that as far as like recent soundtracks go that you know I didn't know who uh, Kaczynski was up until that. And, uh, All right. So with that in mind, we got we got a hard, hard job to do right now to, to narrow this list down to four. We have mentioned a shit ton of films. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty obvious Pulp Fiction is going to be on this list. I, I think it's been mentioned multiple times. Yeah. Um, so it warrants a spot. 
and I'm Rushmore to, and Rushmore is mentioned more than times. So we're let's go ahead and reserve two spots for Rushmore and Pulp Fiction. So we've got two spots left. Um, no. I would say that that Rushmore is placeholder for Wes Anderson films. Uh, Pulp, Pulp Fiction is the placeholder for Tarantino. So and I'd be willing to throw Goodfellas in there for Scorsese. I'd be fine. I, I don't. I'm not. Um. Well, let's let's hear let's hear some suggestions. Well, here. at this point here, then let's just pick four directors and we'll just name a soundtrack we like for. Well, each we don't album. necessarily have to do that, but well, we have da- a placeholder. So we also have da- we also have Days Confused mentioned more than once here too. So okay, that'd that'd be fine. so that so that means uh, we're only picking one. Yeah, we got to narrow this down to one. Uh, oh boy. All right. So what are the ones that were not mentioned uh, more, more than, than once? once? Let's see. We have. Pretty in Pink, Judgment Night, Goodfellas, <laughs> Judgment Transformers, <Night. laughs> I vote Judgment Goodwill Night. Hunting, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, The Graduate, Boogie Nights, and Reservoir Dogs and Saturday Night Fever. God damn. Dude, I don't know if we can... This is tough. This is extremely tough. And uh, the fact that some albums got mentioned twice, I think that means that they are just by... Those, most of them were mentioned just only twice, so there there still could be a split vote on some of those. But. Well, I think because this debate is going to be really hard, we're just going to go <laughs> ahead and include those. And okay, so we got two for Daisy Confused, two for Pulp Fiction, two for Rushmore. Rushmore, and so that leaves one more spot. I'm throwing Goodfellas out there. Everybody right. can throw out one of theirs. I, I guess what I would say about Goodfellas is that. Uh, you could almost put any Scorsese film into that spot. I mean, Casino had a lot of stuff like that. And it, even The Departed, but it, it, of yeah. the Scorsese films, I think this one is the best one. I, I would agree. Um, but it's almost become, uh, well, I guess that's the point, but it's, it's become like a joke sometimes. It's just like making us, like uh, the community did like a, a, a Goodfellas spoof where they just would have a, they had like, you know, uh, the backpack back, scene. Yeah, exactly. That good. I mean, that Boogie Nights is staring at me, man. I'm telling you, yeah. don't and sleep I'm, on Boogie Nights. Hey, I, I would put Boogie Nights up there more than Days Confused of its usage of the songs within the context of the movie. I'm easily swayed. I'll I'll be willing I mean, to switch. Boogie Nights off from is an Boogie amazing Nights. collection. And all are there. And unlike some of the other ones, they included... All over two discs, every song that is in that movie and that, you and can't have on there, including good, Dirk Diggler's songs. That's a good point because the Goodfellas one doesn't include, like, they include maybe a fourth at most of the songs that are used. Yeah. Well, what if we just basically said, like, which of these would you listen to the entire, you know, soundtrack of? Like, the the one that, that really calls to mind the, the parameters that we set up earlier, where you know these scenes you know like by heart when you hear the songs those come up um and, and honestly judgment night i want to put in for the cool factor but i cannot tell you like what fucking emilio estevez is doing when onyx and the biohazards playing um and so i almost have to take it out for that reason and, and i would almost put my uh choice uh, oh brother rock that was really big yeah uh, but big doesn't fucking matter <laughs> see i'm willing to sacrifice saturday night fever and if we're going with big that's not debatable and look if i'm sacrificing transformers the movie, <laughs> play the game man yeah but i get i agree the boogie night soundtrack is one of those ones that i think you can put in and listen to i'm i'm, yeah. t- I'm torn on that for two reasons one every time i hear night ranger sister christian that's the first thing that pops in my head and now the other thing is I cannot remember what fucking song is playing on when you mentioned Macy commit suicide. Yeah, but actually I think the more I think about it, I think that may just be a it's just an instrumental thing that's going on there. I don't know if there's an actual song to that. It's not driver's seat. Does it cut into another no, song? Driver's seat when the, is when they meet Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Right. And then it just sort of extends into the rest of the Oh party. yeah, that's a great damn yeah. scene too. Like that that follow I mean that that fucking scene when they're following the girl from the pool and she pops up and then it like the song Spill hits. the wine. Oh, it's 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 such a great moment. And the ending using God only knows is showing in that the epilogue of what happened with them and that great steady scene of that song leading them in into Dirk doing his great speech. I'm not inches. They don't treat you nice. I'm not there yet, though. I'm not. I'm not. I'm almost on the cusp of Boogie Nights, but I'm not there yet. Boogie Nights. I'm. I'm just. It, it's so fucking seminal. There's so many great. All right. Pair rollers. Um. Pair of roller skates. When we finally get to see Roller Girl butt naked, and they fuck. 
that's an awesome little scene. Um, Seminal. Uh, the song is like, ooh, it's I may see. Oh, like, Which scene are you talking about? This is the scene where she blows them at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. And it's playing that like, like, ooh, ooh, mama scene. Like, Dolly's like, yeah. Yeah. It's tight as shit. She does that moment where she looks at it and is like, and she goes and she takes it. That's a big breath. Before. Yeah, she does. She, takes it, she looks at it. Her eyes get kind of big. She looks up at him and says, fuck it, and goes for it. She takes that in. Um, Remind me what else we have on here. We have Goodfellas. We have, again, Judgment Night, Pretty in Pink. Um, The Graduate. The Graduate, Transformers. I'm almost leaving Saturday graduate. Night Fever. <laughs> Graduate is, I mean, you know, Mrs. Robinson and like the, you know, the scene of him running up to the, the wedding chapel and and just the, there's so many iconic and we, I, I think in, in in a long-term cultural impact, the Graduate will beat Boogie Nights. I think in terms of critical quality, I think Boogie Nights might win. But I think if you're talking about soundtracks and if you line up people on the street or whatnot, they're going to know the graduates before now, they know Boogie Nights. Well, that's a lot of it's dealing with that's a more popular and fa- more famous movie. But when you ask someone, oh, you know the graduate? Oh, yeah, of course, Mrs. Robinson. Name another track on it to the next person. Oh, Sound, Sound of Silence is, you know, the opening credits, him going. I bet, the I guarantee if you polled most people, they wouldn't know that Sound of Silence is on that because the only mm. thing you really remember, there's a lot of people that. Look, that's a movie that a lot of people say they've seen that they've never actually seen. It's a popular movie to say you've seen The Graduate and never seen it. I didn't see it till a couple of years ago. <laughs> I lived in that demographic. Oh yeah, Graduate's a good movie. And I watched it. It is a good movie. I was I was, you know, it's over there. Um I don't think we're another one's on Lester there. I don't think we're giving enough good props on is Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting is a solid, solid soundtrack, and it's a soundtrack that you can listen to now. You can put it in, and there's not a lull song to it. The scenes line up great. the The songs are just so good, and that that was a first experience for a lot of people for one of, if not the singer songwriter of the generation that all of us learned of elliot smith sort of in the same moment was like why the fuck didn't we know this before oh that's right because we grew up in middle of fucking nowhere that didn't have access to that at their record stores i goodwill hunting is it was hard for me to decide who was better boogie nights or goodwill hunting because uh, i think both of them are the brilliant sound all right here's what i'm going to do going to propose an executive decision here we're going to go around the room and when I say your name, you're going to say the first one that comes to mind. That's going to be your vote. And we'll see what comes up. We might tie. We might still have another round of debate on this. But um, I will say Boogie Nights. Daniel? Boogie Nights. TJ? I think I'm leaning Boogie Nights. That's it. Boogie Nights. Well, Boogie Nights. we'll put Boogie Nights on the fourth spot because we had such a hard spot to come to. Um I don't. I think Boogie Nights. We can continue. The Boogie Nights should be even higher on this. Um, so, how would we? Boogie wanna, Nights is better. Is a better soundtrack and has better scenes than Days and Confused. All right. So, how do we want to? How we have Boogie Nights, Rush, More Days Confused, and Pulp Fiction. How would we want to rank this? I'm saying Pulp Fiction number one. I wouldn't disagree with that. I can. I will make a concession that that's number one, but Boogie Nights is number two. <laughs> ben, what do you think? Uh, I'm with number one for sure. For and, Pulp Fiction, yeah, for Pulp Fiction. What about what do you think about Boogie Nights? I think they're interchangeable, to be honest with you. At Whoa. this point, really, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I, we yeah. can put. It's that. good to have. It's good to have allies in this that understand the value <laughs> of a good fucking soundtrack. To me, why why Boogie Nights is is a lesser uh, soundtrack than um, uh, Pulp Fiction is because Pulp Fiction like covered multiple genres, multiple eras, just and, pulled R and B, rock, just everything, and then and again, made, and people made it are going to remember that. Yeah. And, and that's really great when you're doing something that's not set to follow the formula of a time frame. It would not make sense to throw a random song that would would have been recorded five or ten years before the scene of the movie actually happened. Because then we would all chastise them, being like, well, that song came out in 1989. They put but, it in a scene to, in 75. But it, I think it's easier to pick, um, uh, all right, what are the songs of the era that we can, like, what is going on in this timeline versus, like, 
what is a fucking random ass surf song from the 60s that I can throw into this scene and make it Yeah, but when you're Quentin Tarantino and you sit around not doing anything all day, you can think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, mostly what's Quentin Tarantino's day revolve around? Right. He copes, wakes up, makes sure Probably to suck off of Uma. Lines. Yeah, does a couple lines, sucks on Uma Thurman's toes. Does a few more lines. Two more lines. And we sit around and think about some shit, do another line. Like, oh, I think right in this scene right here, what's, what's going to really, really Are you really a Woody Allen or off. Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> My Tarantino and Woody Allen kind of work the same way. Way I can't get my chin out enough. <laughs> All right, so I think we got we got Pulp Fiction one, Boogie Nights two. How would we want to rank Days Confused and Rushmore? Personally, I'm going to put Days Confused in the three spot. I think Boogie Nights and Days and Confused are so Almost, similar. Yeah, to be honest yeah. with you, because they're both double albums. Number one, yeah. they each had another album to complement the first one, and they're both did, 70 set. Yeah. Did the Boogie Night one get released as a double disc initially? No, no, no. Okay, it was so like it, Days and, it was like even more Boogie Nights. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think just because of the staying power of like the the <laughs> the, the Wes Anderson sort of uh, ideal. I mean, you know, he's going to be really uh, what, what's the word? A sweet twee? Is that the what the kids? Saying. Anyway, it's like the, you know what? what? The, the, it's not a style of jacket. Anyway, my, my point is that um, you know when like Wes Anderson makes a film, you're gonna see like you know cute like art and like static shots, and you're gonna have amazing music behind it, and that kind of set the uh, Rushmore like you know set the standard. standard that. Yeah. What you're gonna get with a Wes Anderson film is what the idealized views of a kid that grew up in Texas thought that the cool families were like. Like the Royal Tenenbaums is obviously a movie of a kid who grew up in Texas and thought that that's what New York kids grew up like. They all grew up in wacky big houses with crazy stories. Every movie he makes follows the same formula, which is essentially a kid that went to public school from the South that viewed what other worlds were like. Rushmore well, is essentially the allegory of like, what do kids do at the private schools? Oh, well, this is obviously how their lives are. Well, let's... Uh, That's what you're going to get out of Wes Anderson film. Well, we're not talking films. And a heavy now. dose yeah, of Jason we're, 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 we're ranking these last two spots here. So All right, so Days Confused over Rushmore, Rushmore I, over Days Confused. I, I'd say Rushmore over Days Confused. Ben? I'm fine with that. Like I said, interchangeable. You guys decide. I th And again, I think this is just for kind of debatable issues. Uh, Mount Rushmore, necessarily, you have a one, two, three, and four. There is an order there, but I think we have a pretty solid list of, if we did it left, left to right, um, Pulp Fiction, Boogie Nights, Rushmore, and Days Confused. Sounds so good to me. Everyone sound good. I think, and and for those of you who have not heard those soundtracks, please take this as a moment to go out and pursue those soundtracks. Listen to them, watch the films as well, and kind of soak all that in. Watch Boogie Nights. Watch it. Everyone out there, go watch it, and then tell me that along with Pulp Fiction, there that no movie better encapsulates like the feeling. That soundtrack is a secondary character. I. I begrudgingly give Pulp Fiction the number one, but in my heart, Boogie Nights will always be number one. As expected, this was a um, spirited, spirited debate. I'm TJ, still your not last happy. words. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, this I'm wasn't not, fun, I'm man. I'm still not happy. Like, I, 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 there's so many films that, like, in soundtracks that could have been on, made this list, and I, I feel bad about not, you know, mentioning them, but, uh, or just mentioning them in, in the honorable mention, but it, it's, this one was really tough. The toughest so far. Like, we had way more, um, agreements on the last two shows and we have this one and uh, yeah i think it's good i'm looking forward i agree to it. i agree ben your kind of last words yeah i'm good I, I feel good about it that's a pretty solid four we have there those are albums i can just go back and listen to any day of the week absolutely absolutely well i want to thank our panel tonight uh thank our producer matt uh thank daniel for not dying during the performance <laughs> so close yet so far um this has been another episode of mount rushmore join us next week we'll have another panel and another uh spirited discussion to determine the mount rushmore of that particular topic we're debating i'm saying that because we have not determined what topic we're debating but we will announce that very soon be please. sure to check the twitter on monday to find the topic exactly please follow us on twitter at mount rush four spell four out so that's mount rush f-o-u-r uh again we are brought to you by the well that's cool trivial uh well that's cool podcast network <laughs> trivial pursuits is also on that network as well so listen to them i uh, thank you again for listening and until next time